Live from the bell tower, taking a stand for your rights, your liberties, and all the bullshit in between. You're listening to Break the Bell Podcast. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, and everything in between to the Break the Bell Podcast. Hello, beautiful bell breakers. <clears throat> Had a little delay there. I was like, "Yeah, I, I, I was, I was." <laughs> did I throw you off with everything? A little in bit. Yes, I was like, "Huh, huh, yeah." I mean, it's 2021. We got to include you're everybody right. in you're between. Right. You're so. right. I, I need to be more on my game. Yeah, I apologize. Yeah. For I, that. You're not woke enough, Bill. I you're just not, not, I, I, not quite I'm woke not. enough. I really am not. We are live and we are back and refreshed. Bill, you got a nice beer. I do. You showed up without. A beverage in hand, yes. and I was very concerned for you. I was yes. like, I got one minute to launch. I'm going to get you a beverage. I, and I appreciate that greatly. Yeah. So so you're good, right? I'm good now. All I'm right. good. I'm good. Nice ice cold beverage. Yes. I got my beverage, and we're all set. Ready we're ready to go. rock. This week, we have a special show for you, a special guest on. Um, it's kind of a follow-up to last week's... Um, uh, my music cut out earlier than expected. It threw me <laughs> off. It's a follow-up to last week's episode where we talked about Afghanistan, the history of the Taliban, the history of the 20-year... Do you call it a war? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, there wasn't technically a war declaration, a police right. action. A police uh, action, probably. An intervention? Yeah, an in- can intervention. We, yeah, is that like the nice way of putting it? <laughs> yeah, I but think so. The, the 20-year intervention yeah. in Afghanistan. So, so, like I said, we talked about all that stuff, and we talked about everything that's going on currently as of last week, which... There, it's still a shit show there with them trying to evacuate people. Uh, the there's they have their own border crisis crises probably with several, all the borders. I was gonna say there's several there. <laughs> We've got refugees pouring like coming here to the United States, and they're yeah. trying to figure out what the hell to do with them. Yeah. So all that's going on. We decided to follow up. We typically don't do the same kind of yeah. topic, but two weeks in a row. But we have a special guest on who is a veteran, a two-time. He served two times in Afghanistan, two tours in Afghanistan, a former Marine Corps sergeant. His name is Andrew Sickling. Um, he reached out to, to us, and um, he had gone to several interviews from news stations to give his story of his opinion of what's going on and the things that he experienced there. And he feels that they didn't really do him justice, and they kind of cut out all of the, the hot takes that he had about the situation, and they just kind of flowered over it. Yeah. So he reached out to us. And said, "Hey, can we we talk about this in long format?" And I'm like, "Hell yeah, you can!" Yeah, <laughs> this we're is all an about outlet. The hot takes. <laughs> yeah, this is an outlet for you to express your voice to yeah. for people to hear your voice. I mean, that was the whole point of the show was mm-hmm. um, we want people's voice to be heard. That's our whole mantra: is never stop talking. So, um, if somebody wants to come on and use our platform to for their voice, and at the same time talk about the shit we're talking about. <laughs> so right. it, it really worked out for us. So we're going to have him on in just a couple minutes here, um, and we're just going to pick his brain and l- maybe hear some of the experiences over there, yeah. um, a firsthand, firsthand account, because neither of us have a firsthand account. We can no. we can run our mouths all we want right. about it, but we don't have a firsthand account of like the relationship with the Afghan people, the, the shit with the Taliban over there. Um, Andrew can can give us that account and then he'll also give us his opinion of all this stuff that's going on and i said yesterday in the weekend wrap-up that 
I don't really know his opinion. I didn't sit down like and have a, a conversation on social media asking him, you know, what are your thoughts on this? I wanted to, in real time, ask him what his thoughts are on this. Yeah, so, right. so he, I mean, he might completely clash with the stuff we think. You are dinging like crazy over yeah, there. What's I going know. on? Well, I just got your message where you were asking where I was at. <laughs> oh, that was like <laughs> 10 minutes ago. It was. So, in just a couple minutes, we're going to get Andrew on. Before we do, obviously, we have to mention our coffee fix of freedom. Yes. Because how else would we be able to sit here and run our mouths and be the platform for other people who want their voices heard and have our cell phones ding uncontrollably all across the yes. platforms without somebody um, completely censoring us? We're not completely censored yet. No. I mean, they're trying. They're trying, yeah. They kicked us off of one the Facebook forum, forum yeah. already. But... We still have the freedom because of people that support freedom, like Run Your Mouth Coffee. Absolutely. And we also have the freedom to drink delicious coffee. Yes. Which I want to be here today, <laughs> sitting before you, talking. It, it literally would not If be. it weren't for coffee. Yes. <laughs> it's, yes. You know me without coffee. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, it's like, dude, just don't talk <laughs> until I've had my coffee. Yeah. We got a nice Keurig at the office, and it's only used. I'm, I think, the only one who uses. Yeah, it. I believe you are the only one that uses. Uh, it. First thing I do, I just like bypass you and the office manager. Walk right in, hit the button. Oh my God, Bill! I'm, I'm taking care of. Good it. God, All we're right. not professionals here. We don't claim to be. We don't have to be. There we go. Because we're free because of Run Your Mouth Coffee. Absolutely. I don't know. And and speaking of. Speaking of coffee? Yes, when you drink Run Your Mouth coffee, it's like getting a ding in your mouth. <laughs> like, like a ding in your mouth. All right, we'll go with that. Go to rymcoffee.com. Tell them we sent you by using the promo code BREAKTHEBELL, all one word. I need to get through this before Bill completely ruins this, this ad <laughs> with his dings. I've turned my dings down. Turn your dings down on your phone. Turn yes. your dings up in your mouth with yes. Run Your Mouth coffee. rymcoffee.com. Taste the dings. Taste the dings. <laughs> <laughs> Don't hear the dings. Taste them. So, we got anything else really to talk too much about? I, I, I don't know. think so. I think we got him. I'm <clears> going <throat> to make sure he's waiting for us. Um, yeah, we're live, so we can screw up and have like these really uncomfortable pauses all we want. We're going to get right into the intro, and then, like I said, when we come back, we are going to have this discussion with... Uh, former USMC Sergeant Andrew Sickling, uh, two-time Afghanistan veteran. I'm excited. Are you excited? Me too. Yeah, me too. Me too. I mean, this is this is a different style of interview for yeah. us. It's not like another podcaster or some social media influencer. This is right. like somebody that's actually been in the shit. Right. So. Somebody's on the ground. Yeah. Yep. So I'm excited. We're going to get right into that. And when we come back, we will have Andrew on the line with us. And we'll get this conversation going. Let's Perfect. get into this intro, Bill. Let's do it. Are you sad? You talking to me? What? What the heck are you talking about? What did you say? What did you say? What did you say? Are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? What did he say? What did he say? Are you talking to me? Well, maybe he was talking to me. What did you say? Talk to me. What in heaven's name are you talking about? 
Jimmy, talk to me, talk to me, baby. Did you just say? What did you say? You listen to me. Are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? What the hell are you talking about? Who are you talking to? All right, and we are back, and we have, like I said, like I prefaced at the beginning, we have former USMC Sergeant Andrew Sickling, um, two-time Afghanistan veteran. Let, let me get his face pulled up here. Let me get my stuff all sorted out. Andrew, how's it going? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear. Hi, Andrew. Awesome. This is uh, Bill. Hello. How are you? I, I got a co-host here that you can't see because we don't like to show his face to our guests because yes. we don't want to scare him away immediately. So um, he is here. I, I saw his face on the pre-live. Oh, right, okay, pre okay. All right. So you're not scared off yet. With all his dings. With all his dings, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. You had you had sent me a comment that said, uh, get a ding in your mouth. That's what we should. <laughs> Why didn't you think of that, Bill? I don't know. That's don't way know. better. Run your mouth coffee. Get a ding in your mouth. <laughs> Andrew, like we said in the beginning, you are a former sergeant of the United States Marine Corps, uh, two-time Afghanistan veteran, and you had reached out to us, right, to me, um, a few days ago saying that you had went on um, a couple broadcasts, like uh, mainstream news broadcasts, to give your story, and um, they just weren't giving the full story. They weren't uh, giving your hot takes on, on the, the issue. They were... From what, what I gathered from what you were saying, they just kind of sugarcoated the conversation, and you wanted to actually get the full story out there, so that's why you reached out to us. Yeah. Um, so in the defense of the journalists, there was one who interviewed that did the did, – I feel like she did the best she could with the time allotted that she had. Mm -hmm. um, hers was very more of the – just general information angle. But then there was another interview that I did who wanted to focus more on the, uh, the mental health side of it all. And it's just like, okay, that that's not, that's not necessarily a bad angle, but that's not the real angle. Right. And also mm -hmm. if you're going to have me on to talk about my opinions, why don't you, air my opinions in the way of, you know, things that the president actively said, and then I refute them. And not just because it needs to be this, you know, bipartisan issue. It's just, they are just what they are. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And, and then I did the third one and it just, it was what it was. Right. Right. And I'm sure they, had, it was just like a, a filler piece or something that they had, what, like five minutes to, to throw out there. And to get actually, it was uh, the top story for two of them. Oh shit! Oh. Really? And they still, yeah. still cut out everything, all all the important stuff. I guess. Well, I, you know, I I get it. I get it. You know, I'm not the only person that's existing in the in the local area. Mm -hmm. So there's there's always stories. Also, preface this: we 
my fiance and I are moving into this house right now. So that's why I'm super amateur with no headphones, like oh, bad no. lighting and all of that. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, you're good. I had my dings going, so you're good. Yeah, you, 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 you can see how our level of professionalism here. So um, you watched the intro, so you know we're not that professional. But um, we don't claim to be. We don't claim to be um, not rough around the edges. So, I mean... We're just grateful to have you on and, like I said, get a firsthand perspective yeah. of what's going on. So um, I want to first, before we really dig into like all maybe the politics of it or whatever, um, mm-hmm. just start out. I, I want to hear some of your experience there and your experience in country there um, as much or as little as you want to share. Um, like I said, you are a former sergeant of the Marines. What was your MOS or for people who don't know what that means. Your, what was your job in the Marines? I was an artillery cannoneer, okay. but I never did that in country. Okay. Um, so you didn't, you got trained. To, you, they, they spent probably a million dollars training you to do something that you never did. Yeah, yep. basically. Well, there was that one time on the mule, but there's, and for those, uh, the Marine Expeditionary Unit, so the floats that we do, mm. um, but that was only done in United Arab Emirates. So, I mean, like that was cool, but you know, whatever. So, um, I kind of have to talk about the two deployments very separately, same theater, but just two very different experiences. The first one was in 2009. Uh, so this was before the 30,000 troop surge. In fact, on our way back, that's when Obama announced it. Mm -hmm. So we were we were rocking and rolling and ground pounding as a 120 man company. And this what you said 2010, 2009, 2009. Okay, that's the year I went in. So I went in during during the Obama surge, and I I still never went to Afghanistan. So for those who are familiar with Camp Leatherneck, so like that was the big Marine base in Helmand Province. That might have been the size of like two or three football fields. Mm -hmm. And then by the time we left, it was a, like a small city. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it was, we were very uh, much, you know, the first ones there. Mm -hmm. Um, That deployment was working a lot with the British Royal Air Force, securing the area. We were, you know, yeah, we were an artillery unit, not doing artillery with our, own battle space like we owned a battle space right so for those who don't know that like that's very unheard of and very rare um so that's how you know commanding officers get bronze and you know bronze and silver stars and all of that oh sure um so with that it was you know as to be expected ieds Mm -hmm. firefights things like that um, National Geographic actually tag along with us for a little while, and there's a documentary called Camp Leatherneck. Really? Yeah. So you get to see yours truly at 19 years old singing Bohemian Rhapsody with his friends. <laughs> for National Geographic. <laughs> I mean, not too many people can say they had those experience, that experience. I mean, people yeah. – who, who was it? I can't remember the president that said a lot of people go their whole lives – um, trying to find Reagan. themselves 
and the Marines don't don't have that problem. Well, you got to sing Bohemian Rhapsody for National Geographic, so you don't have to go and look for anything else in life. You, yeah, right? you have made it in life. <laughs> I did, um, especially because the uh, year prior, when I graduated high school, I was voted to most likely to be seen in a movie. Oh, nice. there you go. I mean, not so I too far it. off. You did it. You made it. <laughs> I made it. So you I'm went. A big kid. So so you said 19, so I'm assuming you went in right out of high school. Oh, yeah. And then you deployed immediately, or how long before you deployed? I got to my unit from my specialty school, my job school there, mm-hmm. and then 30 days later, I was in theater. Oh, shit. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So, like, I didn't even, like, they didn't even issue me linen. For the barracks. Like, <laughs> I was in a sleeping bag like, for an entire month. Like, you don't need this shit. Yeah. You're gonna. You're not even going to be using it here in a month, so you might as well, well get used to the sleeping bag. Yeah, like, I didn't have anything. Like, my roommate and I, we weren't issued bedding or anything. It was just, use your sleeping bags until we deploy and then figure it out there. Um, now, and... and- like, had the Marines been on your radar for a while? Like, was it like, oh, I want to go in the Marines when I'm out of high school? Or, you know what? I might be one of the few people to ever say I actually looked at the Army first. Okay. Oh, really? Don't let your Marine Corps brothers hear that. I remember seeing. Go ahead. No, oh, hey, I have no problem with saying it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, because it's always like, yeah, I was going to go Marines, but then I went Army. I went the other way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was interesting because I wanted to do the same job. So it wasn't like right. it was just, yeah, I wanted to shoot cannons. And uh, so I talked to the Army recruiter and I was just like, yeah, okay, that's cool, I guess. Right. And then a friend of mine was, you know, this was, we were juniors going into our senior of high school. He's like, hey, why don't you uh, come talk to my recruiter? Mm-hmm. So I do all that. And the recruiter goes, so what would you think you want to do as a job? And I said, shoot cannons. I want to shoot cannons. <laughs> and he, you know, then he starts licking his lips, rubbing his hands. Because, oh, yes. you know, they were hurting for that job <clears throat> back then. Well, yeah. And you don't got a, a lot of people that go in looking for that. It's usually one side, hey, I want to go infantry, which it's usually like, a, a bunch of people just want yeah. to go kick in doors and shit. And then right. on the other side, people want to go do like the techie stuff or fly, mm-hmm. fly helicopters or some, some crazy shit like that. Yeah. Uh, you don't hear too many people probably walk into the recruiter's office and say, Hey, I want to shoot cannons. And they're like, Oh, Oh, we got just the job for you. <laughs> yeah. And trust me, can we give you that job? Cause mm-hmm. nobody wants it voluntarily. Um, like a friend of mine was originally going to be a parachute rigger and, they forced him to become a cannoneer. <laughs> like yeah. it was just like just you know, and the big joke is most people go into artillery originally wanting to be tankers. Uh-huh. And well, we saw how that turned out recently. Yeah. Um so there's that, but it's it's I don't know if we want to call it ironic or it's the big green weenie, but it's like <laughs> I wanted to shoot cannons. And I never got to. <laughs> so one thing, you were the one person that actually wanted to shoot cannons, and they wouldn't let you freaking shoot cannons. <laughs> right? Yeah, that, that that's um, reeks of the Marine Corps. Uh, that's them 
all over. I, I yeah. had a I had a guy. He was he was probably an ASVAP waiver. He wasn't the smartest tool in the shed, the bright the sharpest tool in the shed. And you don't. They convinced him that if he went into the Marines, he would be able to race cars in Japan, and that's what he wanted to do. Race was cars, race in, cars Japan? in Japan. Yes. And he had a little Mazda Miata, and he was like probably six foot eight, two hundred fifty pounds, six foot eight, and he like squeezed in this little tiny Miata, and he thought he was a race car driver. And he's like, "Yeah, my rec- recruiter fucked me because he said I was gonna gonna be able to race cars in Japan." It's like the recruiter didn't fuck you; you fucked yourself because you were smart enough to buy into that shit. <laughs> hey, it's a cat. What an idiot! <laughs> I mean, I shouldn't say that. That's mean. <laughs> That's um, true. Here's though. our special guest, Colt. Yes. Hey, Colt. My, my tuxedo cat. Mm-hmm. Welcome, Definitely. everybody, to the Break the Bell podcast. Colt. Um, <laughs> yeah. He's a cool cat. Um, and, yes, named after the gun. Um, there you go. Because the dog, the dog is named Ruger. Oh, nice. nice. You got to stick with the gun theme. I like it. Um, so, yeah. So the one guy who wanted to shoot cannons in theater never got to. No, I did everything. In fact, like, most of the guys that I went to high school with because like 11 of us out of my graduating class went into the service in some branch okay okay there was at least five of us going into the marines three of them were going grunt Mm. one was going combat engineer and then there was me wanting to shoot cannons because i just i didn't want to be a grunt i was just like i mean yeah that's cool but like i want to shoot if i can shoot a cannon i'm gonna shoot a cannon (laughs) Um, right I mean, who who can say that they got to shoot a cannon in their life? Not, right. Yeah, not, not too many. Not very many. Um, and, you know, it's always the big joke of, like, you want to know how I'm not lying about my time in service? I brag about being an artilleryman. <laughs> um, so, so I never got to do it. So 2009, um, we got there on my 19th birthday. It was originally supposed to be a 10-month deployment because this was with the uh, 2nd Marine Expeditionary Brigade, right? Okay. So president has to order it, all that fun stuff. So there's that. And we ended up leaving November 10th of that year. So got some birthday bookends on that. Nice. Um, so got back stateside, hated my life. Um, because I was bored because Garrison sucked because like, you know, it's like the one thing it's like the boot who gets to deploy right out of the gate gets spoiled by it. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Because then he's just like, this sucks. Just send me back over. Right. Like, I don't want to be here. And you are single at the time. Are you single now? Uh, I have a fiance. Okay. But you're definitely single at the time. So yeah, definitely. No kids, no wife. Yep. So you're like, send me back. And I yeah, and I stayed that way throughout my entire career because um, I wanted to do the embassy guard duty. Right. And that's, you know, can't have kids, can't have a wife or anything on that, you know, because mm-hmm. they're really selective. Um, but now as a civilian, a forced civilian, because I ended up getting medically discharged. That's how my story ends. Mm-hmm. Um, is because I, I blew out my sho- my shoulder, my rotator cuff doing CrossFit of all things. <laughs> of course. Um, yeah, right. So I volunteer, go on that expeditionary unit. So that was fun. Um, but then in 2011, 
there was rumors going around the battalion that there was a special mission to Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. And I had this platoon sergeant that thought the world of me, and I don't know why, <laughs> um, but he did, and that's all that matters. Yep. Because I went to because like he would always give me a hard time. It's like, hey, Sickling, when are you re-enlisting? When are you re-enlisting? And I was just like, Afghanistan or bus staff sergeant. I mean, you know, <laughs> no, no real, no real thought right now. Yep. He's like, okay, whatever. We'll see about that. So I went, I went up to him. I was like, hey, staff sergeant, what's this I hear about this uh, deployment coming up? He goes, yeah, it's a thing. Why? I go, I mean, you keep asking me if I want to re-enlist. I mean, that sounds like a great opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to re-enlist just to go on this last deployment. Oh, yeah. Well, this was the time when they wanted to they wanted to get guys out. Mm-hmm. You know, so there was a time when if you were EASing at a time, but you were going to deploy – past a fiscal year you could just do what they call extend so like let's say you're going to deploy i'm just going to throw out months here in april or may and you weren't going to get back from that deployment till december you were crossing that fiscal year in october sure so you could extend right well by the time that this all happened they weren't allowing extensions it was either re-enlist or you're not doing it Mm mm-hmm and this was so, probably, this was around the time that they were doing like people could partially retire at like 15 years and stuff like that yeah. too. Yep, yep. Yep. So, yeah, that that was when they were really starting to draw back quite a bit from oh, yeah. your initial deployment where they're really ramping up and trying to push anybody through. By that point they're trying to weed people out. Yeah. Yeah, right. Isn't that fun? So mm-hmm. I <clears throat> So I decided to reenlist which, you know, it was, I needed, I was one of those guys who just needed the reason, but I was just like, there ain't much to do anymore. What's the point, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was just like, you know, I'm young. I, you know, I was like that first term Marine, like balancing act of like trying to figure out what, what I wanted to do. Sure. So this came up and I was like, let's do it. So I, for Craig, I know you'll appreciate this and, um, Bill, right. Bill. Yeah, that's yep. right. <clears throat> um, I don't know about you, but I ended up doing my re-enlistment ceremony at the enlisted club there at Camp Lejeune. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, Doesn't get any more boot than that. <laughs> hey, you know what? I wanted to drink away my sorrows after the fact. <laughs> you might as well. Uh, <laughs> so, so that was a good time. So the this mission was a NATO training mission to Afghanistan, right? So I ended up being part, I mean, there was a bunch of teams underneath the umbrella, but I was part of the command team where as a corporal, I was the security detail leader for a Lieutenant Colonel. Okay. So, you know, to put, give it some context, like typically that's like what army staff sergeants do. Right, right, right. You know, um, that, so it's like there I was as a corporal doing it. I had a couple of uh, lances underneath me. One was admin and the other one was an armor. So that was interesting. Holy shit. Hey, but you know what? That admin Marine ended up becoming a Billy badass. Really? Um, oh, yeah. He got um, Marsock selected him to be an S1. Oh, shit. So he went to the I&I duty. He's like a staff sergeant. He might even be a gunny now. Last time I checked, like he 
he did great things. And of course, you know, the armor, he got out. I mean, mm-hmm. but you know, most first term Marines do it just, it's the nature of the beast. Right. He had a wife and kid, you know, and I get it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so that mission was actively to Kabul. Okay. So we were training the Afghan national, um, civil order police. So the ANCOP first ANCOP brigade out of Kabul. Um, and it ended up getting cut short just because that's when they started doing the drawdown from Afghanistan or at least drawdown 1.3 or whatever we want to joke around. Um, so that only ended up being about four months and which kind of sucked, but like what gets me is at this point, seeing what's been on the news recently, like at the airport at Kabul international airport, it's like, Oh shit, I've been there. Right. Like I'm, I'm seeing buildings on the news that I recognize. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and what, what gets me, it's that, you know, the news has this thing right now about how, Oh, the, the ANA and all the Afghan military just like, rolled over for the Taliban. Mm-hmm. You know what? That could have been a lot of it, but I don't see how that's true. Because man, there were some Afghans that just, well, they were, they were great. They were good. They, they wanted to do that job. Yeah. You know? I, and I, I, I wanted, I meant to ask you about that, um, about your, while we're talking about your time over there, um, I was going to ask you if you participated in training of the Afghan army, which you tra- helped train, were there part of the training of the police forces? Was that separate from the Afghan army or was that a completely separate thing or were they kind of one and the same or um, how, how did that all it's, work? It, how they describe it to our equivalent, it would have been like the FBI. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, that's, that's really the way that it was described to us, but yeah, the civil order police, and the Afghan army are two different entities, but like they wear the same uniforms. So it's almost like if you had national guardsmen being cops. Oh, okay. All right. So um, yeah. if that makes sense. No. Yeah. Um, so, so <laughs> um, I guess my question was, and you, you kind of started into it. My question was what, what is your, was your opinion of the capabilities of the army or the police force there? Um, because we hear how, well, the, I mean, we're leaving these guys with basically like nothing and no knowledge. Or um, some people said, like, and I, I understand this when they first went and started training uh, them that you're training from scratch. And these guys were, I mean, it, it was like training a bunch of farmers or something to be military members. And it was <laughs> quite a task. When you were there, what was um, your opinion of the capabilities of, of the police force, of the army? Um, do Were they capable of withholding withholding on their own at any point did you think hey um they're going to be able to do this on their own at some point let's never forget that these people are the descendants of the fighters who fought off the russians Mm -hmm. right and that's what really bugs me it's like the West looks at Afghanistan as such, and the Afghan people as such a primitive 
cave dwelling society and yeah. they're not yeah you hear you see it all the time on memes it's like these goat herder hicks blah 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 it's just like have you heard of the mujahideen i mean i mean yeah they i mean yeah there's goat herding hicks but guess what america's got them too all kinds of them <laughs> you know i mean yeah who doesn't make the good old bama joke or right. the arkansas like yeah it, it's a thing so from what i saw did i see bad individuals yeah did i see good did i see good units did i see bad units of course yeah but to just paint them with just a broad stroke mm -hmm. that they weren't ready for or whatever it's just it, no you're just making yourself feel better mm -hmm. and you can't sit here and tell me that that's not coming from um white house correspondence right you, you just yeah you can't sit here and tell me that yeah um because this this nation fought off Genghis Khan. They fought off the Brits. They fought off, I mean, not in this order. Um, they fought off Alexander the Great. Mm -hmm. They fought off the Russians. And they essentially fought off us. Yes. So to make, like, so when the West talks about them just being this, like, borderline intellectually handicapped people it's just, it's not fair it's not it's that's ridiculous um the civil order police that i worked with i from what i saw i thought they were good mm -hmm. um you know and they had had some type of trainer with them some type of training unit damn near since 2002 2003 right so by the time that we got to them in 2012, they were pretty well versed of like, hey, we get it. You're here because, you know, NATO tells you you have to be here. But like, we got it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, and they were, they were more than capable. Mm -hmm. um, so <laughs> there's a lot of that. Now we can always put on our tinfoil hats and say, you know, we can't sit here and discount that there was sleeper cell Taliban right. in these units just waiting for it to turn over, which there has to be. You can't sit here and tell me otherwise. I mean, it's just the probability is Spe for it. Especially at the speed that they took back over. I mean, it took four years for them to take over the first time back in the 90s, and that was without the United States um, and all their military capabilities and this time it was what a matter of a week they took back over the, mm -hmm. pretty much the entire company or country. Yeah. Well, and how how far in that book did you get that I gave you? I was wrapping up the last chapter before I had to shut it off and um, get ready for this show, so I made it. Oh, okay. So, so you're like there. Yep. Um, well, you remember that part in that book that Gall mentions, and for your viewers um, and listeners, we're talking about. Uh, the wrong enemy. Uh, what's the subtitle? Uh, America and um, Afghanistan from 2001 to 2014. I've got an image here I'm going to share so they can get a look at it. Okay, um, perfect. It's by Carlotta Gall. It's a definitely a good book. You recommended it um, on Facebook. I saw it, and I'm like, okay, i got to read this shit. And that was before you even reached out to me and said, hey, I want to come on your show. I just saw your post recommending this book. So um, I picked it up on Audible, and I was on vacation. I listened to it all the way back from Arkansas on vacation. So, yeah, it's definitely a good read. So 
Go ahead and talk about it. Um, I'll flash the image for a few seconds. Well, it's like, you know, Gaul even talks about it. We bombed the Taliban into the Stone Age mm -hmm. in 2002. Like, that's the thing. Like, we bombed them. And then, essentially, the local militias and or warlords pretty much had them under control. Right. And then the UN around, what was it, 2006? Mm -hmm. Says, nah, you're, you're, we don't recognize you. Give us your guns. So what ended up happening? <laughs> and that's another thing was we, we can make the argument about everything about going, should we have been in Afghanistan in the first place? Sure. Which there's the answer. The answer to that question is both yes and no. Um, because this was, this was like the, the big hot take that I had that none of the news, none of the news covered. Right. Was when President Biden announced the withdrawal, he said a couple of things that just did not sit well with me. Mm -hmm. Why should I, like, he said, why should I send our sons and daughters to fight in a civil war that they themselves don't want to fight in. Yes. Yeah. And I was going to ask you about that. Um, from your sentiments over there, did you see that? Did you see this um, opinion that, hey, they don't, they're not really willing to fight for this themselves? Because, I mean, we've talked about that several times. That just that didn't sit well with us either because right. um, you got a country, you got a civilian population that's stuck between two things you got um and when if you read this book the wrong enemy you're going to really get a first-hand look at these two things that i don't think they really portray too much in the mainstream media you've got the taliban who was um very much propped up if not formed by the pakistan government or isi yeah. the the pakistan uh intelligence um agency and they kept pushing them in while pakistan saying hey, we're on your side to us, the United States. Uh, we're going to get the terrorists. At the same time, they're pushing Taliban fighters across the border into Afghanistan to fight us. And then on the other side, you got the United States Army, which was, for the most part, there for good, in my opinion. But you have a lot of public opinion damaged over there when you have like bad intelligence causing like weddings to be bombed whole villages to be like wiped out by like faulty information or uh you get like a rogue staff sergeant that just flip goes off the handle and goes like house to house and shoots up a bunch of civilians obviously there's bad sentiment there so and then in the middle you've got the civilian population who just wants fucking peace in their country mm -hmm. and you got both sides fighting it out so when you have the president of the united states come out and say these people don't want to fight for them, their country themselves. It, it's really, I it's mean, asinine. It, it, it pisses you off, and I'm sure it really pisses you off having experienced that firsthand. Well, it insults my fucking intelligence. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, well, that's geez. what they do. That's what they do. They, yeah. they constantly well, yeah. treat us like we're fucking morons, and they're the only ones that know right from wrong, so we got to listen because to Because once again, it's how does a country that doesn't want to fight successfully fight off Attila the Hun. I mean, not Genghis Khan, excuse me. Yep. Genghis Khan, who changed the carbon footprint of the planet, 
at the time. Right. He killed like 10% of the population. Mm -hmm. He couldn't win. So you're telling me that they don't want to fight? And trust me, they do. Because they're they're tired of this. Because in their eyes, and I heard this, I heard firsthand accounts. Because we would do these things called key leader engagements um, on my first deployment. Where one of our people was in the Mahujadeen. Mm -hmm. So hearing firsthand accounts of what it was like to fight Russians and shoot down Russian helicopters, man, if that, that gives, that gives you goosebumps. Right. Um, they feel like that time frame never ended. Mm. They feel like this is just a continuation of that. In fact, they even, mm. a lot of the villagers even thought that we were, that we were like Russian allies. Oh, um, really? Coming back to finish a job. Yeah. It was very bizarre. Um, but that's, of course, in the southern provinces where they don't have radio, TV, right. internet. Right, and they're only getting information from the people that are spreading the information, probably the people exactly. that are we're fighting against there. Exactly. So they had all of this. So they have all this, and it's like they themselves don't want to fight. It's like, no, they do. But the thing is, is that when we're not taking care of the actual problem, mm -hmm. like coming from Pakistan or Iran, it's never going to stop. Right. Yeah. You got, and you got, I think history shows us very well that, uh, that America is very bad at taking care of the serpent head. Yeah. Like I had I thought of the analogy of like treating a wound. Do you just sit there and like wipe up the blood or you go straight to the source and like, like stop the bleeding first and then clean yeah. up all the blood, and like yeah, we're no, there cleaning up the blood. I was gonna say that's that's America's mo. They yeah. that's what they do. They just wipe up the blood. Yeah, put a bandaid on it and yeah. hope it stops stops right. bleeding. And then um, you get an infection in that wound, and then it becomes an even bigger problem. Yeah. Um, I guess my question I was gonna get to later, but since we're talking about it now, should we have averted more attention towards Pakistan? Should we have shifted focus towards Pakistan? the actual source of the wound instead of spending 20 years mopping up the blood on the floor and trying to keep this thing going by mopping up the blood on the floor. So, yeah, that's a great question. Um, of course, you know, nobody consulted me in any war room. So this is just my opinion mm -hmm. that I don't, I mean, I have my personal opinion, like anecdotal evidence and all of that here. But if we were going to fight anyone, we should like, and that's another thing is that, okay, let's tie this back into what Biden talked about. This was never Afghan civil war. Mm -hmm. They didn't say they didn't like in, they didn't pay us to show up. Right. We brought this to them. Mm -hmm. This was the West and America specifically, but the West's war on terror. Yes. Not, not, hey, they're paying us $3 billion. Let's go fight in this civil war and try to help them win. Yeah. Then we, I had played a couple clips of Bush and Obama both saying, we didn't ask for this war. It was brought to our doorstep, but we're going to finish it essentially. And my, my statement to that was, well, the Afghan people didn't ask for this war either. Right. We brought it to their doorstep after it was brought to our doorstep. So, yeah. By the so, same right. We did the same Frankly, thing. Frankly, what should have been done 
from my understanding is we should have gone into Pakistan and rocked the shit out of them. And we probably should have went into Iran. Yeah. Yeah. Cause because the, the, book, Iran the just, book doesn't focus much on people coming in from Iran. So I don't know. No, it, it doesn't. It, it, no, the big training grounds, Iran is just because they are symbolic. Um, the symbolism with Iran, it's like they're the big powerhouse of the Middle East. Mm-hmm. Um, but Pakistan was the problem. Um, which then ties into my second deployment. So that deployment got deployed early because Pakistan, the, the Pashtu land of Pakistan flooded. So we got deployed early in to support the relief effort, the humanitarian aid, mm-hmm. which is great. Yay. People are drowning. Let's save them. Right. 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 <clears throat> so we got deployed early and all they used was our big flight deck boat. So we didn't do anything. Um, but the problem is, is that, see, and this could have been great for us because as we know, Pashtu land is where a lot of the Taliban training camps were, right? So if we are in a fight of counterinsurgency, that would have been a great PR stunt to say, hey, we're not that bad, guys. Look, we gave you all of this stuff mm-hmm. because we care about you as human beings. Sure. No, that's not what Hillary Clinton decided to do when she was Secretary <laughs> of State. And this this was brief. This was part of the, the whole deployment debriefing. <clears throat> so because of all of that, they did the deal of allowing them to go SEAL Team 6 to get a to get bin laden Mm -hmm. but on top of that they told the pakistani government to actively denounce our involvement with all of that and the humanitarian aid just so he would not re his people would not revolt against him Mm. really it's like are you fucking kidding me (laughs) yeah you just prolong this war another 10 fucking years dude Mm. wow or ma'am Hillary Clinton. Either or. At you. Hey, if I ended up suicided next week, <laughs> it wasn't me. <laughs> so yeah. two shots to the back of the head, not you. <laughs> yeah. Epstein didn't kill himself either. Um, so it's like that's that's how you win hearts and minds. Right. right. Yeah, my unit, we handed out some blankets and stuff, my first deployment, some water, but like how you truly win hearts and minds, it's saying, like, hey. We don't like your terrorists, but we like you, and you have intrinsic value to the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. But no, no, can't have that. So it's like all three of my deployments all tie into this shit. It's fucking mm-hmm. bananas. <laughs> um, so SEAL Team 6 does their thing, right? So it's like Pakistan has always been the problem. Now, people say, well, what about Iraq? Well, here's the thing, though. Now, yes, we can all argue about was it for oil? Was it for not oil? Was it this? Was it that? Hey, spoils of war are a thing. Get over it. Right. Um, But the thing was, Saddam Hussein was a real bad dude, too. I don't think anyone would disagree with that. Right. His sons tortured and butchered people using plastic um, rotating shears. Holy shit. Like in a real mower but plastic. Hmm. 
<laughs> that's pretty so, intense. Graphic? Right. Yeah. Like, they would just dump people in those. And it's just like, so like, yeah, Saddam needed to go. Like, let's let's just, and hey, if our oil prices went down by a couple of bucks, then so fucking be it. <laughs> um, but like, the thing was, it was like, we lost our way along at some point. We forgot that it was about a war on terror and just got so caught up with the operational stuff of Afghanistan itself that we never took care of the problem. Yeah. And I think we got really focused on the optics of it. And I feel like we've talked extensively that it was like, how how does somebody exit this war and make it look good? Because, right. I mean, as you see, it didn't look good exiting this war. So when you're spending decades or at least a decade wondering i you know that's in the back of the top brass's head it's the optics of it is the main goal it's like how can we make this shit look good whether it's the exit whether it's um uh covering up like the atrocity moments like um accidentally bombing a village or uh, a staff sergeant go like blowing off some steam i guess you could say by shooting up a bunch of civilians um Covering that shit up, it's like we spent more time like covering up the optics and making it look good than we did actually. Because, as the book it says in the book, and like we all know, the Taliban was basically obliterated, like you said, in what a, a, a number of months after we first went in. Oh God, it was days, like, like two three months. They like yeah, there was like the few here and there, but like as a unit, they were gone. Yeah, hmm. it's like it was like President Trump's answer to isis kill them yeah. just kill them all right and i don't know about i don't i don't know did you see the photos after that no i didn't okay so check this out i had some artillery buddies who were actually a part of that answer okay and they just said expend all remaining <laughs> which and they and they said expend all remaining sweep and zone so what that means is, all right, this is going to get really artillery nerdy here for a second, but just hear me out. Okay. Sweeping zone is what this means is that they take an entire section of a map and give it designated grid coordinates for mm-hmm. the for the guns, right? And they say, all right, at this deflection in this quadrant, use six rounds. At this deflection in this quadrant, use 20 rounds. Mm-hmm. All right? And... The whole job of the gun line is to legitimately sweep the guns and just bracket this entire grid square Mm -hmm. into oblivion. Right. So I saw the photos of some of the cities that they did that with. It looked like Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Wow. Wow. And one of the, and it was, uh, so 110, so 1st Battalion, 10th Marines, um, was the battalion who got tasked for this. They burned through two cannon tubes. Holy shit. Wow. That is a, those cannon tubes on the M777 are 3,420 pounds of titanium steel. Holy wow. shit. And they burned them wow. to like, to like, we need a new tube. Yeah. I have sent 60 rounds in a continuous firing mission in training. Right. Didn't 
the the temperature gauge for the internal the internal temperature gauge for the tube didn't budge. Mm-hmm. So it's like, how many rounds did yeah, no they shoot? Shit. No <laughs> like, shit. Holy yeah. shit! Right. <laughs> um, and this was what you said in response to Trump on ISIS. Yes. Okay. So it's not like we can't take care of this problem. So, so but when you have the shackles on your dogs, they can't protect the yard. Right. So, so um, what went wrong then? What was the shackles? What was holding us back? Ultimately, well, the rules of engagement were always fucking atrocious. Mm-hmm. My first deployment was you had to have positive identification with the host with that individual doing a hostile act with a hostile intent. So I actually had to see you hold a gun up to your shoulder and aim at me before I could do anything. Damn. I had to actively see you plant the, the bomb in the road after you dug, after I watched you dig the hole for 20 minutes, Mm -hmm. because no one's planting, no one's digging a hole in the side of the road to plant a daisy. No, they didn't do a lot of daisy gardening over there. No, they they do a lot of poppy gardening. Yeah, that's what I hear. Uh, (laughs) Which that's a whole nother bizarre conversation. And I heard this one theory and it's pretty tinfoil hat, but I'll throw this out here. Oh, we we Um, go tinfoil hat. So go ahead. Okay, so got to give credit where credit's due. It's a TikTok user named Howitzer Hill. And he was like, don't you find it hilarious that we get into Afghanistan? And then America develops an opioid problem. No, we we actually went there last week. We talked, did a whole episode about Afghanistan. We kind of broke it down, and then we went tinfoil because I I my brain tends to go tinfoil hat once in a while, and um, we had found that like we had spent I think what was it eighty three billion dollars on um, just counter narcotics. Yeah, and. Oh, wow. The yeah, alone on counter nar- narcotics and the amount of opium leaving the country from 2001 to 2000 and what like 18, I think we said, yeah. was like yeah. 10 15 times more, even though yeah. we're spending the and it's just like, hmm, is there a connection here? Maybe with with our involvement there and the opium's le- uh deportation spiking. Because from what I had read early on in the the time of the Taliban, they were completely against opium. They had, like, done away from... I, I think they talked about it in that book, actually. Um, yeah. From the start, they kind of banned um, opium field or the poppy fields and stuff like that because they were against narcotics and, and the opium pandemic or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, and, you know, but here's the thing. There's always unintended consequences for everything that happens in life. I mean, and... I think, I think people saw an opportunity, mm-hmm. and they took it. Yeah, to make money. Oh yeah. And I, I, I don't. I'm not saying that I agree with it or disagree with it, but it just is what it is. It happened. Right. Well, we all know the I'm, CIA funds himself with opium. So. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, we can we can sit here and blast three letter agencies all night, sure. but <laughs> you know that that kind of defeats the purpose of what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, maybe it does. I don't know. Either way. So back back to this. I will say this, though. I'm not surprised that Biden is the president who did this. Yeah. I'm not. And I'm not going to sit here and flame, you know, uh, fan the flames of 
that there's other people running the country because he's he's is unfortunately falling on demented um time limits mm-hmm. um but he lost his son in the global war on terror yes well one of them yeah he lost the other one to the unintended consequences of the global <laughs> war on terror um, yes. <laughs> so there's I'm, I'm not surprised he's the one to do it because it's like, you know what? I'm president now. We've been at this for 20 years and it still ain't over. I'm done. Mm-hmm. I'm done. Yeah. And here's the thing. I can agree. I can, I can sympathize with that. I, I really can. Sure. Um, I, mean, I don't some, agree with it. Somebody had to pull the trigger on somebody it. Somebody was going to do it. Yeah. It had, but then there's other, there's other arguments that he, his, his other justifications are here and it's like he was just like we don't need to be there anymore right. like i was like okay dude but we still have bases in japan and germany mm-hmm. right. and trust me they're not going to fly planes into our buildings yeah. or at least on purpose yeah <laughs> um that's an asian driving joke <laughs> <laughs> uh, so i mean there's I, so it's like I, I can agree with you, Biden, but doesn't mean I, I'm wholesale agreeing with you. Sure. Now, if he just straight up said, this just costs, the, the price of this is just too damn high. Right. I'd be like, eh, okay, dude, whatever. <laughs> I mean, at least I can, I can kind of see that one. Right. Right. And that, that was kind of my thought on it. It's just like, well, kind of another conspiracy, I guess we talked about was, there's not the enough support at home to justify putting that shit in the budget anymore, so mm-hmm. we can't really afford it. So maybe you pull us back enough to where the Taliban comes and does what they did, maybe not as fast as they did because we, I think we kind of overlooked that, but they come back a little bit, and then we can be like, hey, look what's going on now. Do you think we can justify putting the funding back in the budget for the Afghanistan war and all this war machine, big money that that gets spent on war? And then, I, I, I don't see it. You know? I, I don't see it. And this is why Bill didn't see it either. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, well, that was my theory. And Bill's like, no, I don't I don't see it. So go well, ahead. No, it's not. It's not a terrible theory because that's essentially what had happened before, especially in Iraq. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not like you're completely off base here. But it's just like with our with our still living examples of North Korea and Vietnam. Um, and whatever Harris is doing in Vietnam this week, I, I, we we she, haven't. She doesn't that know out. what she's doing there. We haven't like we said yesterday. <laughs> you know, she's finally making her visit to Vietnam, so we can bet in maybe fifty years she'll make a trip to Afghanistan or to the Mexico border. Yeah. I, I think that they told her to go find POWs over in Vietnam. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, go okay. ahead. <laughs> so, guys, so right now I'm in school for social work, right? Mm. Originally, I was going to be a journalist. So I got to cover Kamala Harris's, um, or Kamala, however we want to pronounce it to sound woke. and it, poli- Whatever, whatever you want to say, I don't The care. vice president. Call her KK. When she was, when she was running her... Her town hall on campus. You want to talk about the most boring, canned, 
uninspiring speaker I've ever listened to. Paired with that voice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I the mean, fake laugh. Oh, my God. Did you ever watch <laughs> Friends? Did you watch Friends? Janice from Friends? <laughs> you never watch Friends? Go look I'm up. Not, I'm not. How about this? Like, I would have caught 10 minutes of it here and there, but I never, like, actively watched it. Google, uh, YouTube Janice from Friends, and then you, okay. will, you will know exactly what okay. I'm talking about when it comes to Kamala okay. Harris's voice. Yeah. I will say this. It's like, but I also got to cover Cory Booker, who's a fucking idiot. <laughs> Dude, he he mentally has never left college football. Like, <laughs> like he still acts like he's in a locker room. It's, he, it's just like, you know what? You might be a great rep. You know what? You are the perfect representation for Jersey. Um <laughs> But I also got to cover Julian Castro. Okay. Man, the Dems slept on him. Yeah. Um, you know what? I even I even told him, it's like, I hope you, you know what? As a Republican, I hope you get it so I can at least have a hard time on who I want to vote for. Uh, would it be nice if they put up candidates that were like, hmm, politics aside, I... I, I'm not sure what I want to go with here. Yeah. Instead, they give us candidates that, that are like, I don't fucking want either one of these people. Right. Yeah, the yeah. most polarizing individuals who mm. exist. Yeah. yeah. Like, and I, I told Castro that to his face. You know, I was just like, dude, I, I hope you get this. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, and for those of you who don't know him, he was Obama's secretary of housing and urban development. Okay. So he he speaks very well. He's like it's almost like him and like it's like he hired Obama's coach, like speaking coach, okay, and everything, mm. like almost down to the same rhythm. So it's like, but you know, he's not, and he wasn't stupid. Well, that, you know, that's yeah. a but trait. <laughs> that's a trait but, lost in presidential candidates nowadays. <laughs> Seriously, it's like have you um, ever seen the show uh, West Wing? It's been a long time. I used to watch it all the time, but I, I used to always say, you know, if if they made Democrats like they think they look on TV, then I would probably vote for them occasionally. Right? Did you ever watch uh, what's what's the one with? I mean, you you mentioned the housing and urban development. That there was um, what designated survivor? I think it was called. Oh no, I never seen that one. Um, it's. The guy's a Democrat, and he he's the HUD, the housing and development, urban development guy, and he happens to be the designated survivor that stays back from the inauguration or the whatever it is, and the whole place gets bombed, so he's the one left as president. But he's a Democrat, and he's very—he's what you would think—like what TV portrays Democrats as. Yeah, and it's right. just like, that would be great to have that as a president. Right. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> And it's like it's like all I wanted to do was like try to fix Section Eight housing. <laughs> it's like I didn't uh, ask for this shit. I just want to fix the housing problem. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. So there's there's things like so back to the task at hand. So it's like yes. I'm not surprised Biden was the president who did this. It just yeah. did not go well. Yeah. Right, and it seems like he's digging his heels into his reasonings, and it's like, bro, just let him go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck, you know what? American support would probably he'd go. Look, my son died over there. Fuck this, I'm done. Yeah, it ends on my watch, and I think yeah. the majority of Americans would go. 
Yeah, you got a point. Yeah, it makes yeah, sense. Yeah, my son died over there too, or my daughter did, or my daughter lost her legs or whatever. It's like, yeah, fuck that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I think that would resonate with the American people a lot more than just, man. I don't, I don't like this They're anymore. They're not going to fight. Neither are we. Yeah, it's like know. it's like the typical old guy syndrome. <laughs> exactly. <yeah. laughs> kids, the, kids these days don't want to fight for their own country. Why should I do it Scrum. for them? Scrum. Scrum. <laughs> He's probably trying to put in an eight track right now as we speak. Um, <laughs> that boomer mentality, damn it. Yeah. Yo, did you Watch guys the see honeymooners? like a really damning photo of him from the New York Post last week? Huh? Did it's you? Him, oh. it, it's him in the in like the war room, so to speak, from Camp David. Tell me he's falling asleep, please. Tell me he's falling asleep. Everyone on the TV is just like talking to each other because it's like a Zoom meeting, of course. He's just kind of sitting there now. Of course, it could have just been a weirdly timed photo, so I won't I won't criticize him on that mm. because it could have just been, hey, that was like the best photo we could have because his <laughs> hands were moving and the lens got fucked up. It it happens, I get it. Um, but like none of the times are correct on the clock for daylight savings times. Really? Huh? That's weird. Daylight savings time. Excuse me. Um, it's like if they want. It's like they want conspiracy theorists to go wild with this shit because right. they post almost, things like that. Yeah, it's like, all right, QAnon, we, we see your yeah. game now. <laughs> you know, and, and that would not surprise me. Um, but it's just like, what the fuck? Mm. Um, and like, I don't know, it was, an, it was an op-ed piece and trashing Biden. And it's like, look, I am not a fan of him at all either. Sure. But I can at least understand him as a human being, right. you know. Well, <laughs> now if that's what you call him, <laughs> well, he he doesn't seem to be a lizard because I think lizards live longer and they don't. <laughs> he's um, trying to reach lizard he's status on his third and he's failing. <laughs> he wasn't allowed to have the baby blood. Um, <laughs> he's getting right? us kicked off. Right? He's going to get us kicked <laughs> off. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, if it, so I don't know, but that's just, was it as fast as anyone expected in Afghanistan? I'm not, like I said on the news, I'm not surprised. Sure. I'm not because sure. they're great at this, right? They know how to fight this. They don't care for them. Four generations later means nothing to them. Right. Their game is the long game. That's, oh, I mean, yeah. that's how they've won yeah. every war that they've won the long game. Yeah. Because so, they just they just know and they yeah. know how this works and all they had to do was wait. Yeah. And, so and they were like they're gonna they're gonna get tired of this. So Andrew, in your in your opinion, um, I mean, did the Afghani people did they seem glad that the Americans were there, or do you think that they just wanted us out of the way, like we were just kind of taking up space? That's a good question. Um, my first time there. It seemed a lot of Afghans were very happy that, like, my unit was actively in the area. Okay. Um, because, like, and I and I said this, and, and I'll keep saying it, we were told by villagers, it's like, we were able to not be harassed by the by the Taliban last night because you guys were here. Mm-hmm. Again. And they didn't want to come and knock in. Again, yeah. it, it goes back to what I said. They're stuck between one thing and another, and all they want is peace. And if you're the... If you're the group that's bringing the peace or the security, 
then yes, they want you there. But then I'm guessing by your second deployment, they had seen enough shit that they're just probably pulling their hair out about this and like, when when is this shit going to end? Actually, Kabul was a completely different... That, I mean, from... You're not probably... You're not entirely wrong with that, Craig. Um, but at the same time, it's like they just got so used to us there at that point that it was right. just like, yeah, this is life. Sure, gotcha. Um, I mean, a whole generation like, had grown up with you yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a... But when I was in Kabul, like, I got to see, like, kids go to school. Mm-hmm. And they never would have been able to do that under the Taliban regime. Sure. Like, I saw, like, teenage girls going to high school in jeans and T-shirts. Right. In Kabul. Yeah. Right. Like, now, you would see older women in burkas. But, I mean, it's just kind of like, you know, people get stuck in their ways. Right. And, or, and that's if that's all they know, that's all they know. And it is what it is. Right. Um, now, who's to say that, that maybe they weren't Taliban spies either? Who knows? Um, there's a there's a historical fiction book called Thousand Splendid Sons. And if you don't mind, let me Google that on my computer. Okay. Because I, I read it for, yep. Um, Khalid Hosseini wrote it who also wrote the uh the kite runner i was gonna say okay. he's the kite runner guy yep i recognize that. yeah so that book is amazing because it's about this woman who they go like it's a it spans her entire life from before the mahujadeen ever existed before any of this mm-hmm. all the way up until the taliban taking over so firstly i do want to say this is that People think that the Mahujadeen became the Taliban. That's not true. Okay. The Taliban was essentially an offshoot from that. And what ended up happening was, so the Mahujadeen fights off the Russians. Yay! No communism in Afghanistan. Yes. Um, good times. But there was a group out of that that were just like, man... Fuck this. Everybody's <laughs> trying to come over here and tell us how to fucking live. We're over it. We're going to do our thing. And guess what? We're going to go back to basics. Yeah. Well, and that's what happens. But as anything happens, you know, it becomes completely tyrannical and sure. just terrible. And, yeah. And we, we talked about that last week. The Taliban kind of formed out of good intentions, as a lot of things form out of good intentions. Yeah. And then it, people, get in the way of good intentions and it becomes something much worse which was the taliban circa 2001 (laughs) so you go from 1994 when um they're like oh there's a lot of corruption here a lot of women getting raped we don't like this anymore let's go back to the basics like you said let's um bring some order to this country i mean that sounds all well intended but then circa 2001 you i mean you have (laughs) the Taliban as we know it now. Yeah. So, and it, and it's just so fucking frustrating mm-hmm. um, because it's just like, guys, I get it, but you're going about it the wrong way. Sure. Good initiative, bad judgment. Sure. Right. Um, well, and like, here's something. The Taliban had an embassy mm. in America. Oh, in really? 2001. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. 
I did not know and that the either. Day in, on September 11th, they were like, get the fuck out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I um, can't imagine why. <laughs> yeah, right. But so that's, uh, yeah. So that's, uh, those, those are my big hot takes. Like, especially like with like, you know, this is America. This was America's longest war and we didn't need a draft. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Americans believed in this, right? right? Americans still do believe in this. So don't say that, like, why am I going to send them over to die? It's like, well, you know, this isn't Vietnam, dude. Like, you're not drafting anybody. Right. Sure, sure, sure. You, like, we are actively enlisting. Now, yeah. of course, there's people that could argue. It's like, well, they're only enlisting because of economic reasons, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, I'll give you that. Oops. But at the end of the day, you could still say, I don't care how dire my situation here is in bumfucked Egypt. I'm not going to go fight in Afghanistan. Right, like, right, right, right. But people are still signing up. Like, remember, we had to actively say, how much can we pay you to get out of the military now? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, yes. How much can we pay you? Oh, you want to retire early, five years early? Mm-hmm. Here you go. Oh, you want to go on the the VERP, and I can't remember what the acronym stood for, but you want to get out of active service a year sooner? Right. A whole year sooner? Okay. So something early release program. I can't think of what the VERP Voluntary is. early release there program. That's what it was. Thank you. One of the like, things I remembered. One of the acronyms I remember. <laughs> so you, like, they had to beg us to get out. Mm-hmm. There were guys who went on eight deployments strictly to Iraq and Afghanistan. Sure. And remember, and I I'll, I heard a chief warrant officer talk about this once. So, like, first off, so like, this was just, it's almost unbelievable because I heard a chief warrant officer speak. <laughs> Not only did I see him in the flesh, I heard him speak. Holy shit. I've seen the unicorn. By the way, I only saw one chief chief warrant officer five my entire enlistment. I never saw a single one. I think the highest I saw was was a three. It was the weirdest shit ever. I mean, there I was at the French Creek PX there on Camp Lejeune. And I start seeing this guy walking up to the doors, and I see Marines like almost literally dive bombing out of his way. He has hair is white as fucking snow so i'm like <laughs> what the hell is this and i he comes in and there i see it the chief warrant officer five insignia i'm like you literally saw a unicorn <laughs> i saw the unicorn well it, i it's, saw the one unicorn <laughs> it, I, we're, we're digressing which is fine it's interesting um people's reactions to chief warrant officers in general because you you see the shiny shit on a collar, and you instantly can recognize what it is. But it's really hard to tell what Chief Warrant Officer insignia is. And it's kind of shiny and kind of red and kind of not shiny. And it's just like, do we salute? Do we not salute? Do we? And people just like shit their pants when they see a Chief Warrant Officer. And they're mm-hmm. former enlisted. And most of, it, most of the Chief Warrant Officers I ran into would get out of their car and take their cover off and walk inside because they didn't want to have to salute everybody back. They're just, yeah, they're not, right. they're not the, the, the typical, um, officers that like the, the butter bars that want to salute everybody and, and like want all Who that attention. Rotator cuff saluting all day. 
Yes. Yeah. The chief um, warrant officers are just like, just stop fucking saluting and go away. So just shut the fuck up. I want to buy my smokes. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so this one was talking about, he's just like, you know, my dad's generation, his dad was a Vietnam vet. You know, it was a big deal if you did two deployments and almost unheard of if you did three. Sure. And you got these kids doing eight? Yeah, no shit. Voluntarily, most of them. Right? Shit, I did I did all three of mine in four years. Wow. Volunteered for all three of them. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, a- Andrew, we are due for a break, but we still got some time afterwards. I got I got a list of questions that I haven't even made it to, okay, and I know perfect. Bill has some questions. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't mind, we're going to take like maybe four or five minutes to, to take a break and refresh our drinks and, and stuff, and then yeah, we'll perfect. come back and keep going with this. So um, just hang tight for a little bit, um, and then I'll get you right back in here in just a second. Perfect. All right, we're going to take a break. Um Go get your drinks, go take a piss, do whatever it is you do on these breaks, and we will be right back here to keep talking with Andrew Sickling, former USMC sergeant to Afghanistan. We will be right back. Have you ever thought that maybe voting, maybe all this politics constantly surrounding you is not the way to achieve freedom in your life? Hi, I'm Remso W. Martinez, and I ask myself the same question. That's why I'm on a journey to find true freedom in my lifetime. From learning about financial independence, to new ways to develop rugged individualism, to amazing guests living strange, crazy, amazing lifestyles that you've only thought might be real, but actually are. Go ahead and check out my new show, On the Run with Remsa W. Martinez at the We Are Libertarians Network. You can find On the Run with Remsa W. Martinez on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play. You know how the internet works. Come on down and let's discover how to achieve real freedom in your life together. Hey everybody, I just want to take this time to give a big shout out to the very first sponsor of the Break the Bell podcast, that is Goulash Media, that can be found at goulashmedia.net. Goulash Media specializes in graphic design, web design, audio recordings, video work, wedding videos, uh, music videos, even political campaign videos. Uh, Goulash Media caters to the little guy with the big vision. You can check them out at goulashmedia.net. That's G-O-U-L-A-S-H media.net. All right, everybody, we are back. And once again, we are joined with Andrew Sickling, former USMC sergeant, uh, two tours to Afghanistan, plus a third tour with intervention somehow connected to Afghanistan. So pretty much three tours to Afghanistan in some way yeah. had had in reference to Afghanistan. So he knows what he's talking about. He knows this shit. Um, we can sit here and talk about it for hours, as we mm-hmm. did last week. But um, it's nice to get somebody that actually knows what's going on over there and has kind of firsthand experience with that yeah, so definitely. i'm gonna kill the music and i'm gonna get andrew back in here and um pull his video up and we'll continue on with this conversation hang on let me find my button andrew you are still there there he is you didn't bail on us <laughs> i did not um right. so i would like to ask you one okay. who was that that we were just listening to 
Um, they're they're actually friends of mine. Um, they are called. Uh, by the wayside. <laughs> At the wayside. There you go. <laughs> I I I have brain farts a lot. Um, they're they're based out of uh, Rockford, Illinois. Um, they're a band called At the Wayside. I lived in um, Rockford for or in the Rockford area for about a year um, when I first got out of the Marines, and so I got. Um, connected with some of these guys and they reached out to me and they're like hey we're putting out an album and I was like well shit come on our show and promote it and he's like seriously I'm like yes absolutely so um, yeah just just you can find them on Spotify anywhere um, it's good uh, like early 2000s punk, punk pop that doesn't really exist these no. days Yeah, no it doesn't um, my only experience with Rockford was driving all the way up there from Monmouth Illinois so a good three and a half four hour drive to see mxpx oh shit what year was this fuck um like 2006 okay about maybe 2004 i saw mxpx in des moines with reliant k and man that was that was the most badass show like punk pop show i think i've <laughs> ever been to i saw them with reliant k at cornerstone that same year okay. in 2006 yes so um Man, Cornerstone okay. brings back memories. Holy so shit. many memories. <laughs> oh, man. um, you just you just touched a piece of my heart. <laughs> I would I would also like to talk about this too. And I and I and I want to preface this. Maybe I don't need to, but whatever. Is I did not ask to go talk to local media. Mm -hmm. They actually got in contact with me, and how that happened was. They got in touch with this nonprofit in the area who then got in touch with the veterans coordinator at St. Ambrose, who then got in contact with me. <laughs> so, so they were actively seeking I did ask for to you. come on here. Yes. I will say that. Yes. And like, like we said in the in intro or in the pre-show, um, we like being a platform for people to come out and speak their mind. So when you reached out, I'm like, fuck yeah, come on our show and speak yeah, your mind. I didn't want to be that guy to be like, I want my 15 minutes of pain. No, no, I didn't. I didn't see it as that <laughs> at if, all. If so. you've ever seen our show, there okay. are no 15 minutes. <laughs> 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 yes. <laughs> so um, I guess to start out this second part here, <clears throat> I just want to start with August 15th. We wake up and I, I just got back from vacation i disconnected for like four five days went to like the ozark mountains in um and, and in arkansas i mean typically we we send each other articles like all through the day all through the week and, yeah. and he didn't even know andrew cuomo had like resigned yeah that's how disconnected i was i was had no cell reception it was it was amazing i was in this um park in the ozark mountains in arkansas that was considered a dark sky park like a sort of internationally certified dark sky park so there's like no lights you can see like literally oh that's every cool. yeah it was fucking awesome and then that's I, how 29 palms is yeah yeah i was there i was there for a year and a half um so oh, i get what's that i'm sorry yeah i got stationed <laughs> i got stationed I was stationed there too after i re-enlisted that's where they sent me i got stationed permanent personnel for the schoolhouse the comm schoolhouse after i went through comm school that's how shitty my life was so i went through comm school for um a little over a year and then they're like hey we like you so much we're gonna keep you here permanent personnel it it sucked so i get back from this amazing disconnect and August 15th hits, and I wake up, and I look, and Kabul has fallen. And President 
Ashraf Ghani has left the country. And I first I had to double take and think that maybe this is like uh like a parody or like a, a Babylon B type ad like or like uh article. I'm like, no, it hasn't gotten that far. And then I was like, oh shit, Kabul has fallen. Mm-hmm. And so I guess my question is, what was your initial reaction? So that day, um, I don't remember what I was doing, but my fiance goes, hey, honey, they're sending in 3,000 troops back in Afghanistan. I was, and my first reaction was like, what the fuck for this time? Yeah. <laughs> um, but then once I heard, once I finally got to see what was going on, I don't, I don't, it's hard to put this into words because it was just like, well, we saw this coming, didn't we? Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, there's really no other way of putting it, but it was just like, damn, here it is. It's finally happening. So, um, I guess I, I wanted to ask you when you're talking about your time over there, at any time while you were over there, either deployment, did you think that this will end successfully? Because you say, we saw this coming, but at any point while you were there, did you think, we're doing such a bang-up job here, the Afghan army or the the police force is doing such a good job here, this will end successfully. We we will leave, and they will take over, and things will be will remain as it is. Or was it has it always been, ah, we saw this coming? We saw this coming. Yeah. Okay. Which which pains me to say this. I know we did great things for individuals and communities, but as a country as a whole, we we saw this coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and to anyone to sit here and say otherwise is either lying to you or incredibly naive. Mm-hmm. And just you know, it, it would be nice to be able to say we didn't see this coming, and you know, this was a huge surprise, and this was like try to paint it as this is our generation's uh ted offensive Mm. um but no we we saw this coming then and i'm sure that's depressing to say that and did you have that realization there or were you positive enough there that you're like well maybe just maybe or was it just always knew we were we knew that our time was being wasted Mm -hmm. Hmm. so so what do you think that because you threw out the idea in the first, like early on in the first half of the show, should we have gone there? Yes and no. Yeah. So then go into that. Like, at the end of the day, is Afghanistan better off that we went there, or should we have just left it alone in the first place? Because I'm leaning more, now that I've been out for since 14, 2014 is when I got out. So six years now or seven years now, I'm leaning more to, we just got to leave people the fuck alone. We got to stop being the world police. We got we got to stop <laughs> intervening in everything. So from firsthand experience, should we have went there and intervened in the first place? In the first place, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, 100%. Because, you know, Craig, I don't know how old you are. Bill, I don't know how old you are. But I vividly remember 9-11. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm 36. Bill's 45, oh, okay. so 46. You're... Yeah, 45. How old is Bill, how old are you? I'm 45. 
shit, you're both older than I am. Yeah, so, <laughs> so we remember. So, well, yeah. So yeah, we we all remember 9/11. We all yeah. remember seeing people jump out of those buildings because they didn't yeah. want the building to collapse on them. Yeah, sure. It's 50 stories tall. Now building seven, that's that's up in the air, but yes. whatever. <laughs> um, that's uh. But I, you know, that. So no, it wasn't. But at some point, I don't know if it was from the international community, or if it was us, or whoever just it just got fucked up along right. the way it's like trying to build a project car and then deciding to want to make into a bicycle <laughs> that's a very interesting analogy <laughs> which is doomed to fail from the start yeah yeah <laughs> so wow i so see where you're going did you have a lot of interaction with um of uh, other uh, um, soldiers or militaries from other nations and, and uh yeah especially on the first deployment okay um we worked with the Estonians, the Danes, the Royal Air Force, the British Royal Air Force, sorry. Um, I mean, I talked to some Germans. And then, of course, there was all of ours, mm. up to and including the DIA. Oh, wow. Um, so there, there was a lot. Yeah, there was a lot of interaction. The second time, not so much. Because, yeah, we were on this, like, multi force compound but like we were all just kind of like doing our own thing that we sure. would only like really see each other in the chow hall so like we never worked with each other gotcha mm -hmm. where were there at what were their attitudes towards afghanistan i mean were they did they feel like they were there for a reason or did they were they just kind of like ah shit here we go again depends on when you caught them in their deployment okay <laughs> <laughs> um, i remember the australians um, they were just like, well, we're going to try to do something here. Um, the Brits that I always worked with were always, you know, shoot first, never ask questions. Um, so it just, it was just kind of like, it just kind of depends on mm. when and where. Um, so some were like, yeah, hell yeah, we're doing good things, especially in 2009 was just like, yo, we're going in here. We're, we're, we're coming after you. Mm. 2012 was very different it was a lot more low-key okay so uh, on that on that note there you asked about relationship with other military did you um at all build relationship with the um like afghan civilians were you i mean did you get close the first to deployment yeah yeah that's what i assume because you said um, you were more like connected and with in there in in yeah you know because we would we would we would do these things called patrol bases and we would literally dig in and just just be there mm -hmm. and we would talk to local villagers we would see what was going on we were getting to get in the field of the battle space participating in the battle space if you know what i'm getting at there mm -hmm. um the second time no because it was pretty straightforward we are here to advise this unit and that's it okay. sure but oh, by the way, I did get to work with like a small French fire team once. How'd that go? Talk about fucking useless. <laughs> I was actually, oh, fuck I me. actually was going to ask you about if you had any connection with the French military, <laughs> because we all heard the jokes after 9-11 and how the French didn't want anything to do with it. And we even changed French fries to freedom fries. <laughs> yeah, I and that. so I wondered if the stereotype was true. You just kind of confirmed it. <laughs> Fucking useless. Um, we were on this uh, 
mission once on this the second time where it it was going to be this whole like and i'm not going to bore your listeners into the weeds of it but there was this big meeting of all the brass afghans army like us them every everybody mm-hmm. and we rolled up at the end of the um the try to the force peace talks with the local taliban and here's a story um so i'm sitting out in my mat v which is like that warthog looking thing now mm-hmm. that we're using and i get done eating i'm i'm a little separated from everybody else because they couldn't figure out if we could park it where we were supposed to be whatever that's not the point so i was actually outside of city limits believe it or you know whatever it was my truck and another truck and I'm having a cigarette because I just got done eating an MRE, which um, <laughs> you can only eat so many of those. And I start seeing all these motorcycles drive by. And I'm like, oh, I know who these fuck faces are because <laughs> this is how they ambushed us my first deployment. So great. <laughs> um, so I see them go by, see them go by. And mind you, I'm all the way in northern Afghanistan and they all look like they just they're riding around if they were in Helmand province. So I know who they are. Mm -hmm. And then this one motorcycle rolls up and like stops in front of me. Right. And he's the only one with the helmet on. And in that world, you only have that stuff if you have status. So he's, he's sitting there looking at me and I'm looking at him. And it was like a wild west kind of a thing. Did you hear the whistle in the background? Like this? Almost, almost damn near. <laughs> of course, my fucking dumbass leaves my rifle in the truck. Well, obviously. <laughs> but, but I did have my M9 with me. So at least I had something. Right. You know, because that was attached to my leg. And like my hand's on it. And like he gives me a nod. And I nod back and he rides off. Huh. Was it? It was straight yeah. up Wild West. The only thing it Basically. needed was a horse instead of a motorcycle, <laughs> right? And it was just like, did I just did I just live through a Clint Eastwood movie? Um, <laughs> so there's so either way, so meeting of the minds is happening, and all the Afghans put their guys underneath my charge because I was the security detail for the highest ranking American officer at this meeting. So then the army guy says, Hey, you listen to that corporal. And then the French guys go, well, yeah, yeah, you just follow suit. So like, here I am now in charge of an entire squad of full of misfits from all different parts of the world. Right. (laughs) It's just like, what the fuck do I do now? <laughs> like, I hope nothing bad happens because you fire saw. maneuver in this hallway with French, Afghan, American, and like Australian. It, this is just going to be weird. You're like, <laughs> you just saw. I left my rifle in the truck, and you're putting <laughs> well, me. Well, no, this happened. This happened days later. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, so yeah. Um, fuck. That was weird. So, yeah, the French are fucking useless. (laughs) If we didn't conclude anything else in this episode, we concluded that the French are fucking useless. Worth it. (laughs) Worth it. (laughs) Absolutely. So, um, back to my question, did you... Yeah, sorry. uh, No, that's fine. We we derail ourselves all the time, so we expect it. Um, 
back to what I said of forming relationships with the Afghan people. Did you experience any of these moments where there was like um, the U.S. had wrong intelligence and like blew up the wrong people or at least talked to people that had experienced some of that shit? Like, was there any of that sentiment like, well, why are you guys even here? You're just fucking killing us, too. The the ones who came from up north said that. No. Oh. So, like, the people who left, so in 2009, so, like, the people who left Kabul because of the fighting, mm -hmm. they said that. But the ones who had, like, been in Helmand province their most of their lives, they didn't say that. And that's um, where the Taliban ran rampant forever. Yeah, because and they were just like, all you're doing is just bombing. Mm -hmm. And then reading Carletta Gall's book, it's like, it confirms it. It's like, sure. yeah, that's exactly what was happening. Right. So, so, um... For the most part, did you see? I think we asked this. Was there, were they more welcoming or were they more like, why are you even here? Like, you're you're just yeah, making so the problem the, worse. The ones who had been in Helmand province, who were like born and raised kind of thing, they were cool. Because the they saw the shit firsthand for yeah. generations or for, for over a decade. And you came and kind of cleaned that up. But the people that didn't experience it as heavy... Just saw you as fucking the place up. Yeah. Yep. Hmm. Fuck, so. we were asked if we were even, like I said earlier in the show, it's like we were asked if we were Russians. And hmm. that, that makes you really wonder what kind of propaganda cycling through the country for. Right. Because, you, you know, people like the Taliban that are just here to fight jihad and push any non-Muslim out of their country, you know they're propagating this theory that it's just non-muslims yeah. trying to invade your country so yeah. you can see where this is coming from and especially from like younger generations like i said before you have a whole gen like we have a whole generation that grew up post 9 11 right now like yeah i mean we're 20 years in right. a whole generation grew up in post 9 11 era well you have a whole generation there that grew up post america like basically yeah. the entire the entire life has been america there so there's got to be propaganda cycling through, like these are invaders in I our country. Get rid of them like now, right? Yeah, and yeah. we we talked about that. It's just like, just think of the level of, of extremism that'll come out of this when shit does hit the fan. There's going to be a whole new level of extremism uh, rising up because they're just going to be taught. Look, we kicked the invader out. Look what they did to our country. Right. Yeah, and if they come back, we need to fuck them all up, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. So I mean, it. I mean, it happens everywhere. It happens here in the United States. The propaganda mm -hmm. against whoever the enemy is, the red scare, the right. the brown scare, whoever it is. I I can imagine over there, it's it's the woke scare. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> everything, all of it. So but that's not so much of a scare. That's more of a reality. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Uh, so um, July eighth. Let's get back to President Biden. And all the useless shit that he said. July 8th, he came out and basically said, we're pulling out because um, whatever. They don't want to fight their own war, whatever. But he also, because somebody had come out and asked, is this going to be another Vietnam? And he's like, no, absolutely not. We have basically 50,000 Taliban forces versus like 500,000 Afghan troops. So like 10 times the amount. It's not going to happen that way. But from what we know, from what you said... We knew it was failed. It was doomed all along. From what Afghanistan papers that came out from circa like the the Obama era, 
they were say like pretty much touting success over there at the same time they were like running around with their heads up their asses not having a fucking clue what was going on not having a clue how this was going to be successful what's your response when the president comes out and says there's no way this is going to happen while at the same time people like you are like this is doomed to fail that's exactly what's going to happen <laughs> i mean <laughs> it's like you remember um you remember dark knight rises mm-hmm where it's like the president, whoever the hell says like Gotham, we haven't forgotten you. Right. right. But that's exactly what that means. Right. <laughs> because <laughs> we because uh, Commissioner Gordon saying we're on our own. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's exactly what that means. So, so it's like, don't, don't give me that shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, the Taliban coming in now, they're coming out publicly saying promising peace, Promising Bullshit. Po- promising a moderate rule. Bullshit. Promising to allow women to have rights. Bullshit. From what the the Quran the Quran allows, so they're still gonna have to cover their heads and shit, right. but they're gonna be able to work jobs that the Quran allows them to Yeah. I, I Oh what? Make babies? <laughs> yeah. Probably. So I food. obviously I get your response to that is bullshit. So is that all? It- <laughs> you did, really? Are you sure? Cause I don't know if I said it. Or not. I mean, you you can say it one more time if you like. What Bullshit. <laughs> so do you, do you think anything is different, or you think it goes clear back to post two thousand one era, like mistreating women? Um, even worse. My, my opinion is, is it gets worse, and that's that's it's why it's going to be worse. Well, yeah, that's why I ask the question constantly: Is was it worth us even go there? Because yes. There were human rights abuses there. Yes, women were mistreated there. But now the Taliban comes back. And we saw it about the time of the push, about 2006 to 2010, when the Taliban resurged. It wasn't just like, hey, we're going to get the shit back. It was, we're going to get the shit back, and we're going to take out every motherfucker that sided with the U.S., yeah. with the Afghan um, mm-hmm. government. The because Afghans. Yeah, yeah. So they were slitting throats. They were, and I don't think. Well, I know for people to death. Right. And I know for a fact, based on like that book, I keep coming back to that book because it's a really good book. Um, Before then, there wasn't like the suicide bombing. There wasn't like roadside bombing and IEDs and shit like that. And then after that, it was just like, do whatever it takes to take out the infidel and all their allies. And so now I see it as 20 years down the tube. It's going to go back to what it was, but it's going to be worse for those who enjoyed the benefits of westernization, westernization of Afghanistan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So so yeah. then I, I guess I got to ask the question again. Was it worth us going? Well, we killed a lot of bad dudes. Mm-hmm. Mm. We didn't kill Corn Pop, and he was a bad dude. <laughs> yeah, well... Um, so we killed a lot of bad people mm. on this planet, you know, mm. and frankly, oh, I have one. an opinion, but this the National Association of Social Workers would not like my opinion. <laughs> we're, we're our show is not approved by them, so go ahead. <laughs> no, but I do have membership. <laughs> Wait, do you the want social to... worker in me says this is very bad. What I'm about to say, but as a person who has lived experience, it is what it is. I'm happy that they're fucking dead. Okay. Yeah. No, absolutely. Because you know what? 
yeah, there's this group now. Don't get me wrong. There's this group now. But you know what? We kill dudes that rape little boys. Mm-hmm. We kill dudes that stoned women in the public square. Mm-hmm. And frankly, there comes to a point where talking doesn't work. And yeah. so should we have been over there? I think the jury is still out on that, but frankly, I think we did what we did was good because that's less bad people to exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and I'm sorry. What? No, no, go ahead. Look, a lot of a lot of countries rolled over during the Blitzkrieg. Mm-hmm. But they still said, but there were still people in those countries that said, ah, nah, fuck this dude, and fought against the Nazis. You know, it's not like, you know, it seems like there's this, there's this thought that, like, you know, all these countries were so helpless until American intervention, or at least that's how it gets taught here. Now, sure, whatever, we won't get on that. But there were still freedom fighters. There were still insurgents within France, within Poland, you know, within other places. Hell, even inside of Germany. Right. Like so push, here's pushing the thing. back. It's like now it was it was a blitzkrieg, but it's not to say that that the Afghans might just say, you know what? Fuck you too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um have you heard about the um, the Muhadin um, resistance uh, north of Kabul that they have like a couple thousand uh, uh, soldiers they've been fighting up back against the Taliban and have been successful so far? Um, do they They're stand? Bad a ch- motherfuckers. Do they stand a chance? Yes. Okay. Okay. Do you yes. do you see us sending troops in to help them at all? Not. Not. Cl- if we do, they're clandestine. Gotcha. Okay. Like, like uh, special ops and stuff that we're not yeah. even going to ever hear right. about until yeah. until one of our bombs goes off in the wrong village and it has a USA stamp on it or something, <laughs> which is typically how they find out that or mm-hmm. one of our drones crashes into a you building. Can't, you can't sit here and tell me that we don't have clandestine units buying shit from China. Oh, so, yeah. absolutely. We're yeah. everywhere. And. I yeah. pointed that out about Pakistan. It's like, how did we not know Osama bin Laden was there? You know we had intelligence ops in the country. You know, you, we we know for a fact that ISI, the, the Pakistan intelligence agency, knew they were there. There's no way he was, yeah. what, a couple hundred yards from a military right. establishment and they didn't know he was there. And the fact that their intelligence knew tells me that our intelligence knew about it because we have intelligence literally mm-hmm. everywhere in the everywhere. fucking world. Yeah. So stuff like that sits poorly with yeah, me. I don't, yeah. Don't insult my intelligence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So um, let, let, I had some more stuff because we talked about the Taliban. We You talked about the people pushing back, which I think there will be continually pockets of people pushing back and which is great yeah and that's the 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 big positive out of this is we gave them an opportunity to push back we trained up people to push back um you hear all these reports of 
them just like laying their weapons down and that's how the Taliban's getting all these weapons and drones and and tanks and uh MRAPs and all this shit and it's just like, like using them. Exactly. It's just basically for a photo op to say look at what we got. You, mm. How many drone flyers do you think the Taliban actually has unless there's Pakistani intelligence forces in there that know how to fly drones, which is possible. But um so like I was saying all the media is basically showing the people as being pushovers. They just rolled over on this, which is basically what Biden was alluding to. Uh, they, they don't want to fight back. And so we know, like you said, there's pockets of them that are wanting to fight back. So, yeah. I mean, do you, do you think it's as bad of a rollover as what they're saying, or do you think the media is playing this up? And what's their, I guess, what's their agenda for playing up that Afghanistan is just rolling over? The Afghan people are just rolling over to the Taliban. Well, they're not entirely wrong um, because obviously there is some, there, there is some validity to, to them making those claims that they are quote unquote rolling over. Mm-hmm. But here's my critique about the mainstream media is, um, Canadian media philosopher um, Marshall McLuhan once said, the media is the message. Mm -hmm. So if all you have is photos of Taliban with drones, then that's exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I don't, they essentially rolled over. Let's just, Mm -hmm. let's be clear. Because the goal was for us to leave and they would be so set up that even if the Taliban tried, the Afghan uh, military as a whole would be able to handle it on their own. Mm. But maybe this caught them completely off guard. You know, and and that's the thing. It's like that mission that I did in northern Afghanistan, like way northern Afghanistan, we sent them to go fight the Taliban with a bunch of air support that was not allowed to drop to like less than like 15,000 feet or some shit. I'm not a JTAC, so I don't know, Mm -hmm. but either way, the airplanes, the, the helicopters and the, and the air support were just there for show. Mm -hmm. They weren't there to do anything besides just fly around and look cool. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Nice photo up. Yeah. Maybe scare off. So we sent a bunch of Afghans in to die anyway. Fantastic. So um, you're talking about the media and how they portray it. Um, I had just Googled on my phone right before starting the show. I just Googled the word Taliban on my phone. All the headlines that it would show me was basically the same headline over and over. Taliban warns of consequences if the U.S. stays past its August 31st deadline. Over and over and over. About four pages of that, (laughs) and then no other news on the Taliban. On Google News, that was all I could find was that. And it Mm -hmm. makes me wonder, what's the agenda here? Right. Like, (laughs) Well, remember, it's been cool to shit on America since Obama. Mm -hmm. Right. Especially with that kind of stuff. Right. Remember, the Taliban has a Twitter account. Yes. The Taliban. But Trump uh, can't. Yeah, the what was it? The Taliban. I actually follow him. <laughs> the Taliban media guy, mm-hmm. like media head of media or something like that. I actually followed him on Twitter just because I felt like I needed to. So, um, yeah. 
but a, but pres but Trump can't have Twitter, mm. but he can. And here's the thing, Trump. Whatever you want to say about January sixth, which I think it was just political rare take that went wrong. Mm-hmm. An organization that actively condones the rape and murder of women and children, but then Trump can't have a fucking Twitter account. Yeah, it's it's Give me a fucking break. It's messed up. Yeah, it's yeah. beyond messed up. But um, they're spending they're spinning this, and I haven't quite figured out how they're spinning this whole Afghanistan thing yet. Because you think the media is typically the left. You think yeah. you think they would spin it more in a way make Biden look good. Yeah, makes Biden look good, but. That's not the case. I mean, I don't. Maybe they. <laughs> they don't care about making Biden look good. It's about shitting on America. Yeah. Because the American century, in their eyes, is over, and mm-hmm. it's trying to do whatever they can to keep China happy. But that's. Oof. <laughs> Remember when John Cena has to apologize in fluent Mandarin <laughs> yeah. for calling Taiwan a country? Right. Right. We have problems. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well. Um... One of the last articles I clicked on, which I actually have pulled up here, um, the title of it, this is from NPR, says, Here's what a Taliban-controlled Afghanistan may mean for China. That's our concern. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it says, basically it's saying that obviously the Chinese didn't like Americans establishing a base so close to their borders, but the Taliban's going to fuck mm-hmm. up all of their progress and we talked about yeah there's a conspiracy theory that says that they they gave afghanistan to the taliban because it'll make them allies in a cold war against china because uh china which i could totally see (laughs) And, and here's the thing it's remember craig you probably remember this you know because it happened like what last year or the year before the Marine Corps is getting ready to fight China Mm -hmm. and Russia at the exact same time. That's a disaster waiting to happen. I don't think so. That's a lot of people and people that have a lot of people. But remember we have the biggest defense budget. I I understand that, but defense budget or not, the Chinese don't care as much about human lives as we do. And they will, they, they claim we do. Yes, we claim we do. They use, one of their main weapons is the amount of people that they have. They have billions of people there. They can just keep throwing wave after wave. It's, we, we saw it in Vietnam. They just would yeah. send wave after wave after wave in. And that's when China got involved is when we're just like, oh, fuck, this, this is going to be bad. Well, and we didn't keep, you know, if we would have, if we would have listened to Patton and back in World War II, a lot of these problems wouldn't exist because Patton told um, Roosevelt, and then Eisenhower, we should have just kept rolling into uh, Russia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So here's the thing. If we're getting ready for that fight, I get it. We pull out of Afghanistan because we got to quit wasting the fucking resources. Yeah. Which is fair. And of course, and I called this back and I remember calling this back as a PFC because it's one of those moments you're just like, I think this is what's going to happen. And like, you just kind of hold on to it, even though everyone calls you fucking stupid and crazy. (laughs) And you're like, I said that you remember I said that. Yeah. Yeah. So Craig, you're probably very, you're, you're probably very familiar with that feeling. Bill, I would assume you are too, or else you wouldn't be here. Um, (laughs) Is we're only here as a step off point for China. Cause I remember feeling that way when i was 19 going this is they're gonna be a fucking problem 
real soon. Yeah. Mm. And they are. Yeah. They yeah. are now, even yeah. more so than ever. Well, well, he was talking about that theory, and in that theory, China's got this big infrastructure bill or plan. I want to call it a bill, yeah. but this yeah. big infrastructure plan, and that includes like cutting straight through Afghanistan. Um, yep. To connect them to the rest of like Asia, Asia and Russia and stuff, and so if you um, screw things up in Afghanistan, you kind of disrupt that infrastructure thing, and that just that pisses me off more because we talked about this. It's like we fought with the Mujahideen against the Soviets, Russia. and then a lot of the Soviet or a lot of the Mujahideen or some of the Mujahideen went Taliban, and then we partnered with a former Soviet. Afghani that fought for the Soviets was the at least in the book that claimed um yeah. that led the um the national Afghanistan army against the Taliban. So we kind of flip sides fighting former Mujahideen with a former Soviet and now we're going to flip sides again and possibly well, side up with the Taliban fight the Chinese. Oh yeah. It's just oh, yeah. an opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, Sorry, it, been what? And no, it, and it sucks for the Afghanistan people because all they are is a pawn in this, and whatever yep. side um, we need them on is the side we're going to fight on. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's my um, conspiracy brain and my anti-war brain, I guess. And um, I I I just get tired of the proxy wars because, again, they the people of Afghanistan primarily weren't the problem. We made that clear. And all these proxy wars is just mega nations fighting in these smaller, like, for better or worse terms, shithole countries, or we we turn them in shithole countries by fighting these proxy wars, and the the real victims are the people of the country, and it's just like, I understand if we want to go into a country and help the people, but when we are going into a country for other means for to. For an offshoot into another war, like you were saying, like to to like step off into China, then that I that doesn't sit well with me, and I I have no support for that whatsoever. I just remember everyone in my platoon just going sickling, you're fucking crazy. <laughs> and wait, just wait, and you'll be able to point at it and be like, look, there it is, right there, and they're gonna be like, sickling, you didn't say that. <laughs> yeah, that's how it always goes. Yeah, yeah. every single damn time. So. Um, gonna wrap this up here in the next few minutes. Um, a few more things. Got to bring it back to, again to our intelligent president. Um, some of the things, like one of the things he said was, um, we went there to beat the terrorists responsible for nine eleven, and we did that. And so, why are we still there? And do you think do you think that's true? Mission success is basically what he said. We beat Al Qaeda. Obviously, we hurt him pretty bad, but Al-Qaeda is not the only terrorist organization out there, and our actions have—we've <clears throat> seen in the past sprouted other terrorist organizations like ISIS through us being over there in general. Um, so do you think that's mission success? Do you think that's a true statement that he's like, hey, we, we went there for—our primary goal was to take out the terrorists responsible for 9-11, and we did that. If you leave it at just that premise, yes. Mm -hmm. But that's the problem, is that you can't just leave it at that premise. Right, right. Um, but now, what we have done, though, in the last 20 years of intel gathering and everything, 
now the Intel community really fucking knows how they operate. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, whether you want to say that nine, that the government has actively had something to do with 9-11 or not, I don't, I don't wholesale believe that. I just, I just can't. Yeah. Maybe it's moral injury or not. I don't know. But like 9-11 was a complete intelligence failure. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Or- because probably they looked at it on the sheets and said, there is no fucking way that a bunch of these ragheads are going to steal 747s and fly them into buildings. There's no fucking way that's going to happen. Yeah. And that's exactly what did happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so who knows? Maybe, you know, we part of this last 20 years was getting intel to make sure that that kind of thing never happens again mm-hmm. which if that's what it was then hey fucking sweet mission success but we didn't complete the job that it was sold to us on yeah yeah right. do you think if they took the turn like they did with uh what was it um desert storm you know and they just bombed the shit out of them and then just walked away then they people would be a little bit more like, yeah, we got them. Woo! Like, like if we left in early two thousand two, after we basically right. obliterated them off the face of the planet. Right. Yeah. And yeah, and that if we would have left it at that, I God only knows what God, God only knows what our lives would have been like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, if you if you're coming off of the sentiment, hey, we just went in there to take out the terrorists responsible for nine eleven. Then, by definition, we should have pulled out in right. 2002. Right. Except we hadn't right. we taken out. We never should have went into Iraq. Or, we never, you know. Right. Yeah. Or at, in, global war on terror wasn't a thing. Right. In right. the very least, we should have pulled out by 2011 when we took out Osama bin Laden. That should have been the end. Mission success. We got the last guy. Let's get the fuck out of here. Right. Yeah. But. You know what? If And if that's what would have happened, I think people would have felt better. Yeah. Yeah, we did. We came what we did to do. But 10 years after we took out the last guy or the main guy to say we did what we came to do, it makes us all. And that's basically a sentiment of it is we did what we came to do. Let's get out. It makes us all look at each other and be like, so then what the fuck have we been doing for the last 10 years? For the last 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. Because we did that 10 years ago. (laughs) So it, it, it just. Yeah. yeah, it like you were saying, if if he came at it from a different angle of, look, I'm tired of losing lives here. We got to get the fuck out. Yeah, I think more people would would stand by that. But to say, hey, we accomplished the mission. We took out the 9/11 terrorists. Uh, yeah, yeah, we cool. know, we know. Obama did that. Let's have a beer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but then he came That's out hard. and said, we are not nation builders. We cannot be responsible for building their nation. That pisses me off because we did so much to fuck up their nation and then to that turn around to them. and then turn around and say, we're not nation builders. That, yeah. That pisses me yeah. off. And then that goes back to basically what we did in the Soviet era is we kicked out the Soviets. They lost a lot of homes. They lost a lot. A lot of people displaced. A lot of schools torn down. Yeah. Bush Sr. was like, I don't know why the fuck we're still here. Let's get out left them to their own devices, yeah, right. created a giant black hole for the civil war there, then they ultimately the Taliban. It's just like, yes, we're not nation builders, but we are really good at fucking up nations and walking yeah. away. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, um, when you get somebody who thinks they can make something better, like when they're trimming a hedge, right, and they want to make an <laughs> elephant, 
And they just can't get the elephant right, and so they keep trimming it up, and before you know it, they just got a middle finger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or like that person that doesn't know how to cut hair and keeps like fading right. higher yeah, and yeah. higher and right, higher right. until ultimately you just like, shave. Whoa, 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 I, I got this this just, time. Just, just bake yeah. it already. <laughs> yeah. But no, I, I agree with you, Andrew. I think that, um, you know, I, I think... I think we it's good that we went over there. I do. Um, I think it's good that we um, bombed the shit out of them, uh, that we took out the bad dudes that we took out. Um, I just think everything after that, um, you know, I, I don't think anybody knew what to do with that. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and yeah, and that's that's a great way of putting it. What the fuck do we do now? Right, <laughs> right. That was my last question, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> Where do we go from here? I mean, do we just leave them to burn or or just hopefully, hopefully, optimistically, the pockets of resistance join forces and and take back Afghanistan for what they want it to be? Is there any reason we go back? Is there any do you do you see us possibly going back or like, where do we go from here? Okay, do you want my elegant answer or do you want my joke answer? Start with the joke and yeah. then 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 <laughs> go into the elegant answer. <laughs> Get fancy after. Okay. We're going to treat it like a bad night at Vegas. All right, I like that. <laughs> just going <laughs> to fucking lost forget a lot about of money. it. Somebody might have gotten involved with a tranny. Oh, <laughs> transgender person. Um, somebody puked in a gutter. But hey. <laughs> We all made it back to the hotel room, so we're okay there. Yeah, let's just all forget. Let's not talk about what this night. in Vegas stays in Vegas ever again. <laughs> yes, and you're probably the not. The elegant wrong. answer is no. We never go back. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't see it happening. Yeah, it's like with Korea. Yeah, yeah. So we just let it be what it is. Maybe we yeah. should just let it be what it was to begin with. I, 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 I don't know. A part of me, did, like, yeah. no, I, I, I see what you both are saying, but, like, yes, it was good that we cleared some of the people out, yeah. cleared the terrorists out. But if we're just going to let it be what it is, then what was this 20 years for? Well, but that's the problem, though. I mean, the 20 years is political. Yes, right? that's I all mean, it is. Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not uh, military-based at all. I mean, they, they achieved their military objectives at the beginning of everything. Mm-hmm. Everything after that was political, and they didn't know what the fuck they were doing. Right. So they, they screwed the pooch, as they normally do. And even now it's turning into a political issue. You got, um, who's that freaking senator from uh, Florida that's coming out? It's not DeSantis. It's the, the other senator from Florida we talked about him yesterday that's coming yeah. out and saying, hey, we need to invoke the 25th because of the actions in Afghanistan. It's like they're just waiting to— Hold pa- it! Yes. Called it. They're I'm just surprised Biden made it this long. <laughs> but I am too. But you know, they've been just sitting there waiting for the big mo- yeah. gotcha moment to pounce on Biden. And it's just like, ultimately, I don't see this necessarily as Biden's failure. This was just a failure. Yeah. I mean, you still happen to be the president. Yeah. Exactly. He was the guy to, like My, you said, pick you up know the what? can. I'm, I'm going to go on the side of. I'm like I said, I'm not surprised it was him because he did lose his son. Yes. You know, and it's interesting that he hasn't played that angle up more, like you said, because I think he would get a lot more sympathy if he did that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you You want to talk about, you remember that whole ordeal about gold star families? Yes. Yeah. From Clinton and Trump. Yeah. Fuck Biden is one. Yeah. 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 
And here's the thing. I don't like the fucking guy. But I got to call it as I see it. Yeah. Right. God, I'm going to get somebody deplatformed or me. It's, it's <laughs> It'll probably be. We're, we're already on our way I was going to say, so we, you... we've hit all the hot points already. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, or I'm going to end up suicided next week. Yes. Yeah. Wear a helmet for the back of your head so you don't shoot yourself twice in the back of your head. Yeah, just, exactly. just the, just just the, the back. plate. Just the plate. <laughs> well, I think we're, we are about out of time. Andrew, it has been a pleasure to have you on. And yeah, like I said, you. get a first account, first-hand account of what actually went on there. Um, somebody that actually has some information aside from what CNN, Fox News, whoever it is that's running their mouths about this, or even people like us that haven't been over there. It's nice to get somebody on that does know and just ask you, what do you think about all this shit? And clearly you have plenty of opinions about all yeah. the shit that's going on. And we said it last week. I mean, yes, neither one of us were there. But this one hits personal for all of us because right. we all know somebody that's been there. We all, like, I know I have several friends that deployed over there. Yeah. Fortunately, I don't know anybody personally that died over there. Yeah. But there are plenty of people here that do know people that died over there. So this one's personal. So to be able to say, to reach out to somebody that this is super personal for and be like, what do you think about this shit going on? Yeah. I mean, it, it means a lot that you took the time out to come on our show and talk about can it. I, can I have one last thing? Absolutely. I was actually going to ask you if you wanted one last thing. <laughs> yeah. I feel so badly for Vietnam vets right now. Mm -hmm. Because seeing that helicopter land on the embassy in Kabul had just... It just so ha like I don't see how it couldn't have brought up memories. Oh, absolutely! That was about as symbolic. And as like, like, and I remember saying this in a different interview, but I'll say it here. It's like, you know, if it wasn't for the Vietnam vets, we would not have been taken care of the way we did. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I talked about that last week. It's like the difference is the troops coming home from Afghanistan aren't getting spit on and called like mm -hmm. war criminals and stuff. People, people, Baby killers. Yeah, people actually kind of have come to realize this is a political failure, not a mm -hmm. failure of the troops. In Vietnam, it was the opposite. It was like all the hippies yeah. and stuff hated the troops coming home and, and yeah, just treated them like shit. They didn't have yeah. the care coming yeah. back. They didn't even know what PTSD really yeah. was coming back. Right. And like you said, most of them were drafted. They didn't want to be there anyways. Yeah. Yeah. So... Um, Andrew, let us All know, right. do you have anything you want to share as far as where, like, do you have anything out there that you want to promote? Anything you want to promote? Because usually we're like, hey, where can we find you? Do you want your info put yeah, out anybody there? Anybody that may have more questions for you or yeah. want to reach um, out to you? <laughs> there's always Facebook. Um, if you do have questions for me and you hit me up in the DMs, don't be offended if I don't get back to you because I have, like, I have those filters on that, like, unless you're my actual friend, mm -hmm. I actively have to, like, look in those DMs. Yes. Sure. Um, right now, it's – I'm not really doing a whole lot in the realm of, like, this. Mm -hmm. um, I am the uh, public relations vi – vice president of public relations for the social work student organization at St. Ambrose University out of Davenport. Okay. Oh. Um, my big thing is that I want to do that. Maybe this will be down the road later, later in life for all of us is I am taking my professional interest into moral injury. So okay. things like this. Okay, perfect. Well, and my big question for that, my big research and like, it's been talked about, but it's not, 
but there's not a lot of definitions yet because people are saying, yes, it's a thing. Um, Dr. Jonathan Shea from the uh, Boston VA wrote, has written a couple books about this. And it's like, you know, um, the Iliad in Vietnam, Achilles in America. He talks a lot about this, but it's like, you know, he got the ground running. Well, he, he got it going. So now it's like to kind of carry on that work. Mm-hmm. Um, especially from someone who's been there firsthand. Right. Um, so my big thing is I, I really want to dive into the moral injury with veterans and even, and not even just veterans, it's just moral injury in general, because the hot topic right now is if you've had anything traumatic happen to you, mm-hmm. which it's a very loose term because the worst thing that's ever happened to you is what it is. It's the worst thing that's ever happened to you. So if you lived a cushy life and your dog gets ran over, then that's the worst thing that's ever happened to you. And you can actually get diagnosed with PTSD from that. Wow. Now, is that fair? Is that it? Hey, DSM five is what it is, whatever. But my thing is, it's like the more, is it post-traumatic stress disorder or is post-traumatic stress disorder from moral injury because something happened to you that was against what is confided in morality. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So there's that bombshell for you guys to wow. think yeah. about while you're trying to go to sleep tonight. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> Damn it. Welcome to my brain. <laughs> right. Well, um, good luck in all of that. Um, I'll let you know how it goes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if, oh, dude, oh, definitely. Yeah. If we're still a show by then, we will definitely have you back on to talk about that. Um, yeah. Or however we can support you in that. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, that's great that you're actually wanting to do something that actually makes a difference in life instead of just whatever else these drones are doing these days. So yeah. um, we're going to get out of here. We are out of time. Thanks again, Andrew, for coming on. Check out Andrew Sickling on Facebook. Like he said, if you have any questions for him, that is spelled S-I-C-H-L-I-N-G. Did I get that right? Yes, you did. Good job. So Andrew Sickling on Facebook. Um, If you have any questions for him or if you just want to funnel those questions through us, through the comments or through, well, I can't even say the Facebook forum anymore (laughs) because our Facebook forum got taken down by the the Nazis. And um, so... Reach out to us on social media, and we'll funnel those questions to Andrew, Yeah, and we'll get back to you. Yeah. Andrew, and all are welcome. it's been a pleasure. Thanks again for coming on. Thank you. Um, I really appreciate it. good to meet you. We, I hope to get you back on sometime and talk some more some other time. Yeah. It would be awesome. Absolutely. All right. Have a good one, Andrew. We'll, we'll catch well. you next time. All right. Bye, Andrew. Bye. Everybody, check us out on social media. Like and share all that fun, happy shit. Otherwise, once again, never stop talking. We'll see you next week. Peace. Bye. The Break the Bell podcast is brought to you by you. So pat yourself on the back because without you, we would be talking to ourselves. A special thanks to our Patreon members, Remzo and Justin. A shout out to our sponsors, Run Your Mouth Coffee, the On the Run podcast, and Goulash Media. If you'd like to help support us, visit patreon.com slash breakthebell or buy our garbage at breakthebell.bigcartel.com. Get back here next week and let us continue to invade your ear holes. And as always, never stop talking.